This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be, nah, dude, come over here, this where it's at. Yo, 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 place to be is on my side, dude, because you don't want to be the target when I fly the coop. Nah, place to be is on my side, dude, because you don't want to be the target when I fly the coop. Buenos dias. Man, come on. We call it the, uh, the place to be. Place to be. Then I shall be. It is contagious. It is the place to be. And we are live each and every Monday. To do, to, to do worse than Josh Richard. Place to Be Nation proudly presents a powerful pair of pro wrestling pundits. It's JT Rosero and Scott Criscolo. And this is the Place to Be Podcast. That's the island greeting that we send to you from the land where palm trees sway. Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright. The sun to shine by day and all the stars at night. Melikilikimaka is the wise way to say Merry Christmas to you. Melikilikimaka is the thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas. Place for Nation, welcome back to the great episode of the one and only Place to Be Podcast. I am your host, Justin Zero, coming to you live here. On this Monday evening inside the PTN studios and joining me as always, my PIC, Mr. Scott Criscolo. Scott, how are you? Uh, good evening, JR. PTB Wrestling Network loyalist. Welcome to episode 617 of the longest running episodic of the fucking gold standard. Uh, JR, how's it going? December going well for us? Yeah, yeah, not bad. We're uh, chugging along here, closing in on uh, Christmas and the end of the year. As well as our mm-hmm. annual Christmas extravaganza, which comes at you uh, a week from today, really, and uh, Christmas Eve. Yes. So excited yep. about it. Not a week from today. Five days from today, I should say. Five days from today. But, yep. yep. Uh, so uh, we are coming to the end of 2008, the year. A couple shows mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one, JR, very special because uh, we were there at this show. And yes, uh, we were there. And uh, bringing our guest. Okay, uh, this our, our guest was also there. Uh, yes, he so was. A big night in Beantown, and our guest here tonight is our friend, Mr. Ryan Gray, the co or uh, excuse me, let, let me reset, the host of Clothes Lines and Headlines 2.0. Uh, he has co-hosts that join him, but I'm calling him the host, Ryan Gray. How are you? Justin, I am good. Scott, I am better. Well, thanks for having me again, guys. I'm ready to relive this very average pay-per-view, and so let's get <laughs> after and talk about the Beautiful city of Boston while we do it. What do you think? Uh, maybe. Uh, Scott, was this the one we saw uh, Johnny Fab and the Duncan at the train station? I think it was, Yes, right? we. Yes, we did. We yes. absolutely did. Yep. John Cena Sr. was trolling around South Station. Uh, <laughs> North Station, whatever station. I forget is there. The North Station? North. North no, it was North Station. We had to take the train in to go see his son win the world championship. North Station. I don't know if he took the train or if he was just uh, mulling around down there. But it was like outside the Duncan, we, we kind of bumped into him. So yeah, uh, probably just looking so. to get noticed. Always, <laughs> always looking for some love, like Bruce Hart in many ways. Yep. Um, all right. <laughs> wow. Yes. Before we get to Spy Series, like we always do, we're gonna head back in time to late 1994. Scott, what was going on in the world of pro wrestling on this week, on this day, on this moment, well, this month? Believe it or not, at this moment. 
exactly 14 years ago to the day. We're a year off of having uh, uh, also Boston, uh, another Boston show. But 14 years ago, from where we are in the timeline, November 23rd, 1994, was also the Royal, the uh, Survivor Series, not the Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, mm-hmm. which uh, took place at the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas, back when JR and uh, Gorilla had their awesome uh, cowboy outfits on, little Chuck Norris action. I won't give you the card. It's going to be me and Ryan in January, same look. That's right. You guys are going to look <laughs> sexy in your in your, in your uh, 10 gallons. Uh, obviously, I won't I give you the card because everybody knows it, but. Ryan, little trivia for you, if you can guess. Do you remember, or can you guess, what episode number? I'll just leave it at that. The date you probably may not get, but do you really? Do you remember what episode number Jr. and I did this vault Survivor Series 1994? Hmm. Can I get a current? So we just did 100, correct? No, we just did what hundred? Uh, 600 was it? 600. This is uh, yeah, six, this is 617. And we this just did 617 Mania. So yes. Yep. 350. Not even close. close. <laughs> I'm going to say 72. Ooh. 86. Ooh, all right. A little Episode off 86 one. dropped on our site December 4th, 2011. Wow. Oh, wow. Go. So there you go. So that's when you and I did Survivor Series 1994 uh, Vintage Vault. So. That was on this date, 14 years ago, or 14 in 1994, Survivor Series from uh, from um, San Antonio, and of course, mm-hmm. as you when you when you fire up the herb, we'll talk more about it. Um, Honestly, closer than my football pick, so I'm I'm good. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll see how those go. Yeah, we'll see how we do there. Uh, maybe you'll do better than me. You might be do as good as Tim uh, Capel did uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no WCW show on this day. They were kind of trolling along as they were getting towards uh stockade so that's it for that uh jr uh speaking of mr coons let's fire up the herb what do we got november 4th 1994 the observer tried to get to not cry for rick flair who put over hulk hogan at halloween havoc as discussed last week as already reported on the net flair negotiated a contract extension before doing the job which made him just another wannabe that fell to hogan in the eyes of whatever marks is still out there flair renewed his contract through march of 1997 at his current rate which is guessed to be the four hundred thousand dollar range so flair does return to the ring as rumored he did well for himself in a sticky situation there are already reports that the buy rate for the show was not as high as expected Bruce Beefcake's WCW name became official this weekend, not surprisingly after all the butchering of friendship lines at Halloween Havoc, he's been named the Butcher. I'm sorry, not the Butcher, just Butcher. The angle is that Kevin Sullivan stole Hogan's brother in retaliation for Hogan stealing Kevin's brother, Dave. Kudos to Bruce McGeorge, who suggested the storyline in email immediately after the pay-per-view. Butcher, Kevin Sullivan, and Avalanche are known as the three faces of fear. The Observer had a funny line when talking about WF crew meeting. They had a Q&A session with McMahon after winding up with Bret Hart going on a diatribe about how horrible it is this meeting would be in the Observer and basically went complaining about receiving bad match ratings. News of Bret Hart's prospective two-movie deal also surfaced in the Observer this week. WCW Clash of Champions 29 on November 16th. Hulk Hogan and Sting and Dave Sullivan versus Avalanche Butcher and Kevin Sullivan with Mr. T as referee. Jim Duggan versus Steve Austin for the U.S. title. Johnny B. Bad versus Honky Tonk Man for the TV title. Vader versus Dustin Rhodes. And the Nasty Boys versus Harlem Heat. Survivor Series on November 23rd. Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund in a submission match. 
uh, either sharpshooter, chicken wing, or man throws in the towel, the ways to win. Undertaker versus Yokozuna in a casket match with Chuck Norris as referee. Davy Boy Smith, Razor Ramon, Fatu, Barbarian, and 123 Kid versus Jim Neidhart, Owen Hart, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, and Jeff Jarrett. Doink Dink Wink Pink versus Jerry Lawler, Queasy Weezy Cheesy. Luger, Adam Bob, Mabel, and Smokey Guns versus Tatanka, Bundy, Bigelow, and the Heavenly Bodies. So pretty much set to go with that card here as we're inching toward it. Starcade on December 27th, Hogan versus Vader has been dropped. Hogan will manipulate things so that Butcher or Avalanche are set up by that time. So there's our first batch of Herb. Uh, Ryan, any thoughts there? Not much. Kind of mellow compared to all the rest of the gibberish he throws at us. But, you know, continue on. Oh, nothing really there. Uh, I, we finally got to the point, though, JR, where we finally got to the point, JR, where uh, we're not getting Vader. <laughs> finally, it kind of broke his heart very quickly that we're not getting uh, Hogan and Vader at Starcade. But um, I love the predictions. Yeah. I want predictions. <laughs> all right. We'll see what he yeah. brings out. Yeah. All right, let's fast forward a week. The buy rate for Halloween Havoc is 0.97. Not at all what the brass is predicting. One could put two spins on this. First, it's lower than expected, and they really played a lot of cards at the show. Retirement match, Flair, Muhammad Ali. So they really misjudged it. Secondly, one night say that 0.97 is still way above what they were getting before Hogan came in, when buy rates dip below 0.5 regularly. It is above the 0.87 that was said to be necessary for the Hogan pay-per-views to make it worthwhile. Still, they spent more on advertising for the show. They brought in Ali and others, so expenses were higher, leaving the show at best at passable. Renewing Flair's contract rumored to be for 400000 for two more years may or may not have been a long-term negative effect. In my opinion, it's unfair and short-sighted to weigh that as an expense of the show, even though if things plummet, it may indeed hurt the company in the end. In all of this analysis, it's expected that a great pay-per-view buy rate is near two, above one and a half at least. Maybe that's just not the case anymore. Maybe in this time frame, where there's so many pay-per-views and clashes, getting there 1.0 is the best you can expect. It's too early to take this one event, questionably analyze it one way or another, and see if a company's in trouble. Well, I don't like seeing Hogan on top, and I'm interested in Hogan versus Butcher, many people will make it, uh, maybe enough people will make it, will be into it enough to make it worthwhile. There's a case for a whole lot of years. My taste is my taste. Uh, I think he's actually pretty prescient here around buy rates. Like, mm. I, I think from here, it, the mid '90s on, like the one is does kind of become like the standard bearer. Like, I, I think that days of one and a half and two are long gone as we move to the '90s. So, mm. uh, I think he's on point there. Triple yeah. A with the questionable help of WCW aired When Worlds Collide this past Sunday. Though there were certainly some nice spots in the show. At the end, only the tag match stood out as memorable. I've seen a lot more from most of these guys, and while this was good in some strange way, it was disappointing. The original Fantastics, Tommy Rogers and Bobby Fulton, worked the last Orlando tapings. In the 80s, these guys go over by working their asses off to remove any R&R expressed imitation stigmas. Rogers always one of my favorites. Fulton was not quite as good, made up for it with effort. An interview with Bret Hart ran this weekend on WF shows. He eventually, essentially said he would not give up in his match with Backlund. Hart meets Backlund in a match where the victory is possible only for each man's signature hold, and each man has a corner man that can throw in the towel. That stinks of a screwy way to get the title off Bret. This kind of stipulation match could easily end with Davey Boy Smith accidentally throwing the towel in or Owen throwing a Davies towel since they've made it clear that Bret's will be pink and black and Bob will have white. The ending will most likely depend on which towel hits the ring, not who threw it or how. Rumors persist that Brett is losing the title to take a chance on an action movie deal that was mentioned here a couple weeks ago. The local paper reports he'll appear in an episode of the Canadian show Lonesome Dove, as well as Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. 
WCW Clash of Champions 29, uh, pretty much the same lineup we've talked about. Austin will debut Sherry Martell as a valet. They've hinted they'll have a big surprise for Duggan as well. The question is, will they make it mean something by having Sherry's presence give Austin the title? As a bonus, the Honky Tonk Man will sing the U.S. anthem. I don't think that happened. Survivor Series, same card, although he adds in uh, potentially having a Lunger Blaze versus Bull Nakano. There's some doubt that Jimmy Del Rey can work the show due to injury. If he's not ready, they have a natural substitute where they could stick IRS. It's expected that Bull will win the women's title on November 20th at the Tokyo Dome show for uh, AJW. WCW Starcade, Hogan Butcher, Sting Avalanche, Dustin Rhodes versus Vader, and Clash on 125.95. Uh, we got a couple more here, but any thoughts on that one? Yeah, what is a point nine? Like, what's that come up to usually? I think that's like nine hundred thousand buys. Yeah, nine hundred thousand. Yeah, nine hundred thousand. Like, right, so I think a one point oh is like a million. I okay, think. gotcha. So they were getting a half a million, and then four hundred thousand more is a uh, a disappointing. All right, interesting. But right. you know, you bring Ali Hogan, all that. I'm sure they're spending a lot more also too. So yeah, is what it is. And was uh Brett ever real on Rich and Famous? Because that would actually be an interesting watch. I think he was. Really? I know he was on Lonesome Doves. But... Oh, he was definitely on Lonesome Doves, 100%. <laughs> but yeah, if that bitch Julie was in Rich and Famous, too, that would be quite the scene. <laughs> Something tells me we're going to hear a lot more from Brett and Lonesome Dove <laughs> about a week from now on this very feed. Yes. Uh, all right. We'll see. All right, let's go ahead a week. WCW Clash of Champions last night. As expected, they set up Starcade with the usual heels, demolished the ba- baby faces. In other events, Harlem Heat debuted the new manager, Sherry Martell. Vader and Jim Duggan established a rivalry. Rivalry. Austin was supposed to be managed by Harley Race, but that was never spelled out. Although one could guess that Vader and Austin were unified against Duggan and hence shared Vader's manager. Bagwell and Patriot won the tag titles. All in all, a, special show, uh, a show with good moments, but nothing special. Honky Tonk did not sing the actual anthem. <laughs> Survivor Series coming up this week. Runs down the card. This includes Blaze and Akano on his list. Everyone's predicting that Bret Hart will lose the title in some sort of screwy finish, and Bob Beckham may even retain the title for a good half a year or more. Who would have guessed that a year ago? As been reported on the net many times over, Randy Savage and the WF have parted company. Savage started up at WF in May of 1985, already acknowledged one of the top guys that never worked for any major promotion, and along with Bret Hart, was one of the only wrestlers that was pushed at the time and stayed with the company since. Throughout the 80s and even the early 90s, Savage could be a tremendous performer, blah, blah, blah. Savage has left the WF to jump to WCW, which makes Vince McMahon's acknowledgement of the contract troubles and praise of Savage quite surprising. The lure of a big money contract rumored to be 400000 per year, basically the same as Ric Flair combined with an apparent mending offenses with Hulk Hogan, led to Savage's jump. Reports are that Savage will debut in WCW's Starcade, but not wrestle at the show, and beginning the new year as Hogan's tag team partner. At some point, it's expected Elizabeth will be worked into the storyline as well, with Savage eventually turning on Hogan. Bringing in Savage and pushing with Hogan's partner makes one wonder about Sting's status as the top face. Obviously, Brass thinks the worked, reworked Hogan feuds will capture a percentage of the former glory, and really, it's a perversely interesting when they can tie in the storylines to old Dodef storylines. Can this idea draw well for pay-per-view? We'll see at Starcade. The following article ran in Globe Mail, blah, blah, blah. Who cares about that? That's uh, based on talk and occurrences. Do you believe it's possible to have got the following tag teams all working for it? Oh, WCW. Marcus Bagel and Patriot, Orndorff and Roma, Harlem Heat, Nasty Boys, Regal and John Paul Levesque, Arn Anderson and Bunkhouse Buck, the Fantastics, uh, the Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom, the Road Warriors, and the Steiner Brothers. Not like that's anywhere in our top 10, but it's still a hell of a lot of people, and I've probably missed some. Starcade 94, same three matches. Clash of Champions featuring Hogan and Savage in a tag match on January 25th. 
All right, any thoughts there before we get to the final set? Meh. Meh. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a lot yeah. going on here. Yeah, pretty cut and dry. All right, WDF Survivor Series took place last night. A few brief scramble vision viewings and some chatter online lead me to believe nothing unexpected happened. Bob Backlund won the WDF title from Bret Hart when Bret's mom threw in the title. Diesel completed his face turn. I don't know if they buried Yoko in the main event, but there's a lot of talk of WCW wanting him to job to Hulk Hogan. I think we had that rumor for the next friggin' three years on all these sites. Yes. Yep. After several hints, WCW's mentioned on TV this past weekend that a Cruiserweight title will be established in January. We have to take these things with a big chunk of salt, but they said the wrestlers from all over the world would be involved. It seems obvious Brian Pillman and Alex Wright are two of the current batch of stars in the division. It was originally rumored that the light heavyweight division would return this month with a January rumor quickly following. I guess using the word light or junior was a definite no-no, leaving us to the more impressive cruiser. WCW aired a live main event on Sunday where the fans could vote for two wrestlers to face each other in the main event. They strongly pushed Sting versus Avalanche the whole show. We'll probably never really know if those votes are a thing or legitimate. They do make sure that we only have one fresh issue among all the possible pairings, so maybe it is honest. The match aired ended with everyone running in. Eric Bischoff doesn't do commentary all that often on the shows I've seen over the last year, but when he does, he's up there as the most obnoxious personality in the business. Rumored to be coming into WDF for TV after the pay-per-view are... Hercules Hernandez as a gang member enemy of Razor Ramon. Can you imagine two guys with fake accents, Chico? Razor supposedly wants to take time off in the new year, leading to the guess that this enemy would put him out. Jinsei Shinzaki, rumored for a long time now, so it's hard to say how strongly we should believe this. Uh, so, of course, that'd be Hakushi. Uh, he's coming into feud with The Undertaker. Bruiser Bedlam, former WF jobber Johnny K9, and Dan Crawford and Doug Furness. It's also rumored WCW is interested in them. So only Hakushi of all these comes true. At least at this point. Post-Survivor Series marriages include Luger versus Bundy, Davey Boy Smith and Bret Hart versus Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart, and Bob Backlund versus The Undertaker. The best guess now is that things will lead to Backlund versus Luger. Will Luger take the title? Meltzer reports there's no plans in that direction. And then we have plans to have Bob as champion to WrestleMania and beyond. An Undertaker versus IRS video, uh, or being set up by videos about death and taxes. Despite the fact that very few people here were impressed with the lineup for the Clash, the ratings were quite good, reportedly around a 3.7. Apparently, a lot of people that want to see Hogan versus Butcher for free, leading the question how many will actually pay for Starcade. I'll be doing some Christmas traveling when Starcade airs, and I doubt I would have ordered it anyway. And you know, List Arcade is the three matches we know, plus Sullivan versus Mr. T. Clash on January 25th, Savage and Hogan in a tag. AAA planning another pay-per-view in April with WCW's involvement. Again, so that's it for Herb. Uh, the one thing that jumps out at me is that, like, he's doing this on the day after Survivor Series, which means this is American Thanksgiving. Diesel wins the title, what, two days later? <laughs> like, yep. So he found a little gap here where he could spew some rumors about Backlund holding the title for six months uh, before literally in the three days that he has the belt. So I found that pretty <laughs> endearing for Herb. That is pretty funny. <laughs> Did the uh, Cruiserweight title end up debuting in January 95? No, you know, I was trying that. to remember. I think it's not yeah. until, like, the end of the year, right? Yeah, because I thought I didn't think it was that early. It's definitely not that early. I'm trying to think if it's um when they do that bullshit tournament and everything. It might actually be – it might actually Around be not be so early. Right? Uh, it might even be early 96. Yeah. Anyways, um, hey, at least he had the name right. Yes, they did get the name right. I don't think this one's on him. I, I do think that was rumored for a while. I, I do think they kept talking about it on TV. Um, for quite a bit. It looks like it debuted on uh, March 20th, 06, was when the belt was created. Uh, 06. 96. 96. 96. Wow. That's when it was created. Yeah, Otani. He beat uh, 
Wild Pegasus, which I'm guessing that wasn't Benoit, though, was it? Yeah, it was Benoit. Oh, no, it was Benoit. Yeah, yeah. In Japan. Hyper yeah. Battle 96. And then Dean so. won it in May. So, so it takes another year to get this. So we'll see how much Herb talks about it over the next year. But yeah. excellent. All right. Well, we'll continue to follow Herb, see if he continues to step through these notes, uh, maybe even hot step through these notes, Scott. Of course, that is the number two song in the nation this week in 1994. Here comes the hot stepper, Edie Kamozi, the also theme song for ECW's Public Enemy at this time. Yep. Boys to Men, still number one, brings us into Scott Costolo's Vintage Pop Culture Corn. Thank you, JR. And we talked about the hot stepper uh, two weeks ago as well. But uh, Boys to Men, I mean, this is their wheelhouse. Holy shit, they're on fire. Mm-hmm. I'll make love to you. Uh, 16 weeks on the chart. Uh, 14 weeks at number one. I mean, they're they're on fire right now. Um, hot stepper number two. And on number three, on bended knee. <laughs> so, I mean, they've got wow. two of the top three songs in the country. Right now, in November, late November of 1994. Uh, Another Night by Real McCoy at four. Always by Bon Jovi uh, at five. Uh, Secret by Madonna at six. All I Want to Do by Sheryl Crow at seven. I Want to Be Down by Brandy mm. at eight. Good song. Yeah. Never Lie by Immature at nine. And You Want This slash 70s Love Groove by Janet. So there is your top 10 and boys to men is still owning it we go from the radio to the movies what was going on in the movies on thanksgiving weekend uh in 1994 uh let's see at number 10 the professional very 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 young uh natalie portman at number 10 number nine the remake of miracle on 34th street number eight the page master i have no idea what that is but that debuted (laughs) The Page Master. Uh, Stargate at number seven. Uh, it debuted uh, the week uh, two weeks ago in our last Pop Culture Corner. The Lion King still kicking it at number six. Made $281 million at this point. Couple of debuts. A Low Down Dirty Shame at five. And Junior at four. Pregnant Arnold, number four. Uh, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, number three. Uh, interview with the Vampire, The Vampire Chronicles at number three. Oh. Uh, that's the sequel, right? That's not obviously the one with. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, the Tom Cruise one. No, that was Interview with the Vampire, Vampire Returns. How much more can you take? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, number two uh, actually made it was a big deal at the time for all the Trekkies out there. Star Trek Generations. Uh, one week uh, in the theaters. Of course, that was the one where we got both Captain Kirk and Captain Picard. And number one, three weeks at uh, three weeks uh, out. Of course, a show just debuted on Disney Plus for it, The Santa Claus. Oh yes, The Santa Claus. The, San- the Santa Claus. Ryan, favorite of yours? Uh, my wife loves The Santa Claus. It's fucking horrendous. Um, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> awesome. But I know that's probably the only movie I really saw from there. <laughs> I'm not much of a movie guy. <laughs> JR, did you see the Santa Claus? 
Uh, yes, I did see it in theaters and many times since. I can guess. Um, it's okay, pretty, I guess. It's just pretty famous Christmas movie. It's no, just Christmas, good. you know, Grinch over here. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're doing a Grinch horror movie. Just to let you know. Um, all right. So Doesn't now like we... Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Gray, time to get into your wheelhouse. Are you sure? We sure about that? Maybe. <laughs> Let's take I'm the with... field. I'm winning tonight. All right, let's see what you got. I am undefeated on the season. I defeated Grooney eight to seven, defeated Mike Lawrence seven to three, and defeated Tim Capel nine to five so far. So let's see, Ryan, if. uh, a, you can uh, win the week, and B, can you make a dent in my lead here? I am up 24 to 15, so can you chip away? Hold on, I'm sure. many more to go, Scott, right? This is probably one more after this, and that's it. Yeah, probably thing. one more. Yeah. Um, probably one of the biggest leads you've ever had, JR. Big deal. All right. Uh, all right, well, if I, I, don't, I don't think we've had this in a while, but we've actually hit, obviously, a Thanksgiving week. Ooh. It is, of course, week 13. Of the 1994 NFL season. So here we go. Two Thanksgiving games. We all know where we'll be going to. We'll begin, of course, at the Silverdome in Pontiac, where the Lions host the Buffalo Bills, uh, JR. Um, Buffalo's coming off that recent uh, demolition up in Orchard Park that we talked about. Yep. I know the Lions are pretty good this year. I'm going to say they hold serve at home on Thanksgiving. All right. Ryan? Uh, just like 2022, I'm going Buffalo in a field goal victory. All right. Uh, Dave Craig, who I didn't even know was still in the league in 1994, threw for 351 yards. The Lions with a big win over the yeah. Bills, 35-21. to 21. Say 2022, Ryan. <laughs> Josh, Allen born, Josh Allen wasn't even born yet. That's right. <laughs> he ain't walking through that door. Nope. Uh, of course, our second game takes us to the hole in the roof, Texas Stadium in Irving. Where the defending world champion Dallas Cowboys host the Green Bay Packers, Ryan. Oh, Cowboys. It's Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take Dallas here. Though Green Bay was on the come up finally yeah. after their dredged stretch. But yes, I've no day. No day. Uh, Troy Aikman, I believe, was hurt. So Jason Garrett. Oh, fuck. <laughs> threw for 311 yards. Yeah. Cowboys okay. win 42 to 31. All right, let's get to the Sunday games. Next up, we go to. The Georgia Dome in Hotlanta, where the Falcons host the Philadelphia Eagles, Jr. Ugh. Um, I'll take Philly. Okay. Right. Ricky Waters in Philly. Oof. How bad are the Eagles when Jeff George threw <sighs> for 364 yards? Falcons win 28-21. I got to stop picking this guy. I think I pick him every time. The fucking Eagles? Ugh. Um, all right, let's go to the uh, Mistake by the Lake Municipal Stadium in Cleveland. The Browns hosting the Oilers, Ryan. Oilers. Jared? Uh I'll take the Browns. Future Jet. Vinny Testaverde throws for a buck Ugh. 99. Browns win 34 to 10. Billy Joe Tolliver in Houston. That's what I learned in our last episode. <laughs> yes, that's right. Never vote for Billy Joe Tolliver in Houston. Um Let's go to the uh, Homer Dome, the Metrodome in Minneapolis, the Vikings hosting Tampa Bay, JR. I'll take Minnesota. Right? 
Yeah, I got to go Minnesota. Warren Moon, which is why Billy Joe Tolliver plays for the Oilers, because Warren Moon's in Minnesota, throws for 286. But the Bucks win in overtime. What? 20 to 17. Come on. Next. To, Dreamsicles, come on. To the Meadowlands for the J-E-T-S Jets, 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 as they host the Miami Dolphins. Uh, who's up? Ryan. We did not squish the fish. Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I will take uh, Miami as well. Boomer throws for 382 yards. Oh, Jesus. But the Dolphins still win. 28. Oh, you know why? You know what this game was? Was this the the, the fake punt? Fake uh, spike, fake right? Spike? It is the fake spike, yes. It is the oh, fake shit. spike. November yes, 27th, 1994. Fake um, spike. That was really like one of the, my first, <laughs> I guess it was setting the tone for the future, but one of my first memories as a Jets fan was this game. Um they were, they were, Jets were good. They were good until this game. And then it submarined their season completely and uh, ended up costing Pete Carroll. So there you go. There you go. Uh, let's go out to the desert, to Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe. The Cardinals hosting the Chicago Bears, JR. Uh, I'll take, I'll take the Cardinals. Okay. Nah. Right. I was hoping to gain one. I, th- I the gut says Cardinals. Uh, didn't happen. Bears win in overtime. Mm. 1916. Two overtime losses today. Let's We're right on two. it, Ryan. We're Let's on go it. to Mile High Stadium in Denver. The Broncos host the Cincinnati Bengals, Ryan. Oh, Broncos. Come on. Yeah, Denver. Close game, though. Closer than I thought, but the Broncos win. 15-13. Ooh, ugly. Uh, let's go out to the L.A. Coliseum, the mausoleum, as the L.A. Raiders host the Pittsburgh Steelers, Jr. Uh, I will take the Raiders. Okay. Ryan? Mm, Steelers. Uh, defensive struggle. Steelers win 21 to 3. Boom. Let's go to the Murph, Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego. The Chargers hosting the LA Rams in what I believe is their last season in LA. Uh, Ryan? That can't be going well, Chargers. Chargers. Okay. Yes. Uh, I don't know who that Miller is for the Rams, but he threw for 298, but they lost. Jim? Probably Jim Miller. Jim, Jim Miller, probably. Is he Chargers. there, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Chargers win, 31-17. Let's go to the uh, Kingdom in Seattle, where the Seahawks host the Chiefs. Uh, JR? I'll take Seattle. Give me Chiefs. A defensive struggle. Seahawks win. Yes. 10-9. Ooh. Let's go to RFK Stadium in the uh, nation's capital where the Washington Redacteds host the New York football giants. Uh, who is it? Uh, Ryan. Oh, Skins. Jared. Yeah, I'll take Washington football team. Uh, uh, Heath Schuler. Need I say more? Giants win 21-19. Don't. Uh, let's go. Yeah, right? Ugh. Yeah, I think so. Rodney Hampton rushed for a buck six. Uh, let's go to uh, the uh, Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis. The Colts hosting the New England Patriots. Jr. Uh, I'll take the Pats. The fucking Pats all day, bro. Uh, Drew Bledsoe, who led Bledsoe. the league in pass, who led the league in passing yards that year, threw for two seventy one. Pats win twelve ten. And on Monday night. At the Superdome in New Orleans, the Saints host the 49ers. Uh, Ryan, I think. Yeah, right. 
I'm going to double dip and go 49ers and over. Try to gain two here. Get even. <laughs> I'll go, I'm going to go Niners as well. All right. Well, well, what's the over then, uh, Ryan? Uh, let's go 43. We're giving you two. No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> 49ers win 35-14. Steve Young rushed for uh, three for two, nine, uh, 281. So, All right, and I remain undefeated with a 9-7 win. Ryan, you matched Grooney, so you can feel good about that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, this time I didn't go ham and try to, like, just go opposite just to catch up. So I stayed true. I, I, I played with my pride this this week. You did there well. You, go. you did good. All right, let's go to the hardwood, uh, the NBA season, 1994-95. Of course, the Rockets are your defending champions. Uh, let's see about the old blue and white, uh, at the garden, the, uh, Celtics with a 98, 91 win over the Hornets. Just uh, like Lonzo, tonight. Let's go. Lonzo morning had a triple double, 36 points, well, a double, double, 36 points and 12 rebounds, but the Celtics win by seven. Uh, Lakers beat Dallas 118, 106 on a 11 game docket very early in the season. Of course, Shaq, Penny, and the Magic jump off to a 7-2 and two start in the Atlantic. Uh, Pacers, lead, Pacers and Pistons are tied for first in the Central. The defending world champion Rockets are out at 9-2, and two, leading the Midwest. And Golden State is 7-2, and two, leading the Pacific. And to wrap uh, things up, uh, of course, what episode of Beverly Hills 90210 happened on this week? It was on the actual night. So the night of Survivor Series. If you weren't watching Survivor Series, you were watching Beverly Hills 90210. The episode is called Rock of Ages. Here we go. Brandon is forced to ask Jesse for help to defend his presidency when his political opponent, Alex Diaz, calls for a hearing to determine the validity of his position. A very infamous episode. I could tell yes. you without even seeing the recap, Scott Criscolo. Yes. When they go to the Rolling Stones concerts. Yep. Dylan with a stones hack and sort of fight with uh, Jonesy or whatever that guy's name is. In the, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's yep. Jonesy, whatever the guy's name is, his buddy from rehab, uh, Donna and Steve sneak in with help from Ray, who's working, who knows his cousin works concessions or whatever. Uh, Brandon has tickets to the concert, but he's stuck defending his presidency after Josh Richland had died. So yes, he gets Jerry, uh, Jesse to defend and he wins on the technicality. That's, Brandon called every meeting to order, even though no one attended. And because he did that, it was the actions of a president proved that he was valid in the role. So he retains that there. So there you go. His name is uh, Charlie. Charlie. That's what it is. Guy, Charlie. Yeah, that guy was name was Charlie. Yep. Uh, uh, Steve and his father forced Dylan out of the peach pit after dark. He agrees to sell his shares when mm. Steve, Nat, and Willie, the cook, visit him in rehab. Yes. So. Dylan and Valerie agree to stop seeing each other as he doesn't want to involve her in his problems anymore either. So there we go. Yes, there you go. Very well done. So I may have seen that one recently. I think it was on Pluto one night and I had it on. So pretty fresh. So we're in the uh, throes of uh, season five of Nano Tuna. All right. And that'll do it for uh, our pop culture corner. You can learn more about Barry Hills Nano Tuna and Nano Tuna Noso, bhnanotuanoso.podbean.com. Myself and Tim Cable. Go to the history. We're in season two. We also have tons of other content on all of these network feeds. Uh, this one right here, PlayStation Wrestling, PlayStation Pop Experience, and of course, the North-South Connection, which features 
Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. That's Ryan's show every other Friday covering the current day world of pro wrestling. Scott, that alternates with your show on this feed every other Friday. Oh, I'm sorry. Yours is uh, every other Wednesday? Nope, it's Friday. No, it's Friday. Okay, Friday. That's right. Uh, main event, which is, of course, uh, been going since 2014. So uh, that's been uh, quite the illustrious run. Yes. Yeah. Love having uh, the, the the combo with Clotheslines and Headlines. New stuff. New topics. We talk everything, obviously. Uh, new Japan and WWE. We'll have a new show. This uh, we talked about Survivor Series as we get into the end of the year. So good combo. Every week you'll get a fresh show uh, about current wrestling on both the NOSO and the network. Very All right. Exciting. Let's head forward to November 23rd, 2008 for Survivor Series. I see trouble coming, baby. We're coming to a ball. As I mentioned earlier, it took place in the TD Bank North Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Attendance 12,498, 319,000 buys. So, uh, way below Halloween Havoc 94, if you want to do that comparison. There you go. Uh, <laughs> The 20, 22nd edition of Survivor Series, the 8th to take place in the filthy state of Massachusetts, this being the 6th in the city of Boston, and the last pay-per-view there had been SummerSlam 2006. On 10-29, Mr. Graham was inducted to the Cable Facts Hall of Fame. On 11-3, we had the 800th episode of Raw, even though it was technically the 806th. On that same day, Mike Adamley resigned as general manager, with Shane and Stephanie McMahon taking temporary control over the show. So I think it's the end of Adamley. Uh, there, sad to see him go. Mm-hmm. November 5th, we saw the release of Super Crazy. On that same day, WWE did a two-week tour of Europe. The shows of the week of November 10th emanating for the United Kingdom. On November 7th, Paul London and Chuck Palumbo were released. Three days later, Lena, Yada, Candy Dykstra, and Elijah Burke were released. And then a week later after that, Armando Estrada was released. So a little fall house cleaning. Some decent-sized names with uh, Burke, who had really done nothing uh, in a while, even though I thought he had the potential. Uh, Estrada, obviously, you know, I've been ECW GM after his one with Umaga. Uh, London, you know, we thought pretty highly of him with Kendrick. So there's a lot of talent got dumped here in this purge. All right, we get a video package that blends the Survivor Series tradition with highlights of the key matches tonight. They play up a lot about John Cena being home in Boston and his big comeback from a herniated disc. We then head inside the arena with Jim Ross and Taz talking about some breaking news that Jeff Hardy has been found unconscious at his hotel this morning. He went to the hospital. He's been cleared to leave. And there's word that he may still be able to compete tonight. Uh, I thought at first this was a little much too much like Brian Pillman. Um, and it felt like they were going to say something worse, and they're like, "Buddy could still wrestle tonight." So <laughs> I thought the initial approach was a little harsh uh, before they quickly pivoted. Uh, but that's what it reminded me of. Like uh, immediately was very similar to that. Uh, all right, Scott. So that brings us to our opening match, which is a old school classic Survivor Series style battle between Shawn Michaels, Crime Time, Rey Mysterio Jr., and the Great Khali, taking on John Bradshaw Layfield, MVP. Kane, Miz, and Morrison. How did we get to this match? All right. On the uh, 10-10 SmackDown, it was revealed that MVP would receive a giant incentive package that was put into his contract with one more win, but he would then embark on a weeks-long losing streak. On the 10-17 SmackDown, Kali would turn face when he refused to attack The Undertaker with a chair despite coaxing from Big Show. 
On the 1027 Raw, Kane would attack Rey Mysterio after a match and give him a choke slam. And later that night, JBL would attack Michaels backstage before their match, though Michaels would make it as he and Batista defeated JBL and Chris Jericho in a tag. On the 1028 uh, ECW, Morrison and Miz hosted the Dirt Sheet, and they continued to mock DX and laid out two imposters dressed as DX. Uh, on the 1031 SmackDown, Mysterio team with the Hardys to defeat Kane, MVP, and Matt Hardy in a six-man tag. On the 11-3 Raw, DX would reunite to defeat Morrison and Miz in a tag match. And later that night, JBL lost to Taker by countout, only for Michaels to throw him back into the ring where Taker gave JBL the tombstone. Later that night, Kane and Henry defeated Mysterio and Kofi Kingston and attacked them afterwards until Kali made the save. On the 11-7 SmackDown, MVP talked about his losing streak and the incentive package as Kali interrupted and declared him boring. <laughs> MVP would leave as Kali would host the kiss cam until MVP attacked him from behind, which led to a match between the two with Kali defeating MVP. <laughs> Sad. When you're getting punked out by Kali. <laughs> On the 11-10 Raw, Mysterio defeated Kane in an ODQ match. And later that night, JBL would cost Michaels a last man standing match. There it is again against Jericho. On the 11-11 ECW, Morrison and Miz teamed with Jack Swagger to defeat Crime Time and Tommy Dreamer in a six-man. On the 11-14 SmackDown, this match was announced as Kali attacked MVP after a match and brought a woman into the ring to make out with MVP, who quickly escaped. On the 11-17 Raw, Morrison and Miz defeated Michaels and Mysterio in a tag, while JBL and Kane defeated Crime Time in a tag. And all 10 men would be involved in a brawl in the Lumberjack main event at the end of the night. On the 11-18 ECW, Morrison, this is what happens with these big shows. Morrison and Miz cut a promo on the match at the pay-per-view and vowed to use Michaels as a stepping stone to the next level. And finally, on the 11-21 SmackDown, Kali would cost MVP a match against the jobber and attacked him after the match. So a lot of build going into this one. Yeah, it's a fun mix of talent, uh, really. Sean yes. uh, gets the crowd revved up, works well, you know, used the brand loyalty vibes in this, too. Crime time still positioned well up the card. We get all three announced teams piped in. Taz talks about MVP's struggles and trying to get his wins bonus. It's been a little bit lost in the shuffle lately. Uh, Miz and Morrison continue to grow, working crisply here. Cole talks about the possible issues with Kane, meshing with teammates. MVP and Mysterio get us going. They buzz around some quick offense. Ray wins the battle with MVP getting knocked off balance. JTG tags in, and he and Ray do some fun double-team kick offense. MVP quickly takes down JTG and eliminates him. Taz thinks he might get that bonus incentive with that win. But MVP turns around, walks into a Kali boot, and now he's done. He's he was so great in 07 and early 08. We talked about him constantly, and he's just really scuffling here. You could tell they kind of ran out of ideas at the moment. Kane comes in. We get a big throwdown with Kali, who dominates with strikes as the crowd chants for him. Suddenly pretty over. Kali fights off a choke slam. He swats down Kane. Ray hits a heavy big splash off Kali's shoulders and eliminates Kane as Ray continues to own him in this feud. Morrison attacks Ray. Stryker talks out Morrison as a five-tool player. Ray's flying around, showing off his speed. Shad comes in. He slings Ray into Morrison, but Morrison takes out the knee and gets to work. Miz tags in as Kane makes a Timbaland reference out of nowhere. Miz and Morrison work together to keep Shad in trouble. Shad roars back with a power attack on Miz. Morrison runs interference, and Miz finishes Shad with a reality check. Tough night for crime time. Stryker makes an Andy Moog reference as Sean steps in to face off with Miz. Sean fends off an initial attack, starts to get into his chops, but Miz catches him with a strike and tags Morrison, who hits a great double-team slingshot elbow. 
Morrison, uh, JBL finally tags in. He beats on Sean with heavy strikes. Sean gets trapped in the corner. He gets tripled up on with an aggressive attack and quick tags. His eyes bleeding from JBL strikes. His striker reminds us of his ongoing eye issues throughout the year. Sean tries to battle back, but the numbers overwhelm him. Morrison uses some key Sean spots in a fun touch. He's using Sean's own offense against him, but he misses the top row elbow. Sean tags Ray, who comes flying in and cuts through Miz. He's totally out of sync trying to keep up. Ray is 619. He finishes with a top rope splash. Ray looks awesome in this match. I think he's been the highlight. He yeah. trips up Morrison into the 619. JBL blind tags. He crushes Ray with a shoulder block. Starts to beat on him. Works on Morrison. Keeps him grounded and overwhelmed. JBL and Morrison keep grinding, but Ray escapes and tags Sean. Comes in hot on JBL. They tumble outside and brawl out there, but Sean slides in at the last second. And JBL gets counted out, which is, I guess, a good enough way to protect him. He's uh, kind of in need of it after a couple tough losses. Back in the ring, Sean ducks Sweet Jim Music and hits one of his own and wins the match. Uh, Kali puts Ray on a shoulder to celebrate their survival. Uh, it's a pretty good classic-style uh, match. Some good quick eliminations, as usual. Uh, some ho- solid heat segments. I thought Ray and Morrison were kind of the show stealers. They got some big eliminations and dominated the action. The flow was good as well. The fans were into it. They got a lot of time to tell the story. Uh, the end was good, too, as JBL gets protected and Sean gets to stand tall. So, Ryan, I went three and a half on the opener. I thought it was a good start to the show. Yeah, I went three and a quarter. I dug it. I liked how uh, Morrison, would. they kept alluding to Morrison kind of being a, a young rocker, HBK, just like how they would like structurally set him up within the booking of the match. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, Ray, Ray was great throughout the match. Funny that they kept Kali in there, and I like how Stryker said uh, when Ray jumped off Kali's shoulders to finish, I think more, uh, Miz was it? He says, a oh, very Jimmy, Jimmy Fly super, uh, Jimmy Snooker, uh, Andre the Giant-like. So uh, right. for one, striker didn't really annoy me. And um, other than that, uh, I dug it. Uh, JBL, protecting JBL is whatever. You know, they have that, they got to go two more months to the Rumble and what, HBK becomes his butler or whatever, or <laughs> yes, his money manager or something or whatever. So ah, uh, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how that plays out. No spoilers, of course, but um. Yeah, overall three and a quarter. I thought it was a little telegraphed, a little quick, but, you know, that's how these go. And they're always fun to get in there. Tons of star power, and I totally dug it. Three and a quarter again. I think you're thinking of Seinfeld to come as Butler. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Mr. Mr. Michaels, dear, instead of Mr. Belvedere. Uh, I gave it three and a quarter. I enjoyed it. Uh, your match time, 18-13. Uh, it was fun. And uh, like I talked about, JR, on the last show with Tim, uh, uh, Ray is definitely like in this mm-hmm. really hot stretch right now. He's still healthy. His legs are still good. Um, this is an indicator, uh, as I was watching this today, to me, this was an indicator of what, uh, Tim was alluding to on our last show about the roster kind of being in this weird transition fluid phase. Like there's feuds in here, but they're kind of mishmashed and it's just a solid 10 man. Um, I have to say, regardless of how we grade this later, uh, I like the fact that we actually have like some legit solid survivor matches because everybody likes to break balls every year that there's not enough of them. Right. Well, we have we have a good amount tonight. And and this was a lot of fun. Everybody was back and forth. I like Sean being the it's funny, it's nice to have Sean as the captain without Triple H. Like it's cool that he's got his own little group here and yeah. you know, bit much better than the night <laughs> much be- much better than uh what, 15 years earlier with uh, Fat Greg Valentine and fucking yes. Barry Har- Horrible Wits and all the guys when he was with the head, had to have of Jerry Lawler's uh, shitty nights. Um, but overall, it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was a good back and forth. A lot of guys, you know, got shine. Um, 
you know, Ray and Kali, like all these fresh faces. It was it was good. I enjoyed it. Fun, fun opener. Good, good spot for this one. And I like how they mix the tag teams into it. They throw the crime time in there, just make them feel bigger or whatever. Add stuff to that, too. So good stuff there. All right, <clears throat> Eve Torres brings in Triple H, asks him about Jeff Hardy. He says, Hardy's clawed his way to the top, and if he misses tonight, he'll recover and be back. Hunter says, now we get the match that was supposed to take place originally and maybe should have been the one all along, as he issues a uh, warning to Vladimir Kozlov. Brings us to our Divas Classic Survivor Series title match is Michelle, Maurice, Victoria, Natalia, and Maria take on Beth Phoenix, Mickey James, Candice, and Kelly. Scott, how do we get here? All right. Well, on the uh, 10-27 Raw, James teamed with Candice and Kelly to defeat Hall, uh, Jillian Hall, Layla, and Katie Lee in a six-woman tag. On the ten thirty one. I forgot to mention Jillian on the other team. Beth, Jillian. Mickey, yep, Candice, Mickey. Jillian, Kelly. Yep. Yep. Uh, on the ten thirty one SmackDown, uh, McCool, Maria, and Brie Bella. Uh, really, two thousand eight. Wow. Uh, defeated mm-hmm. Maurice, Natalia, and Victoria. Uh, in a match where all six wore their costumes from Cyber Sunday. On the 11-3 Raw, the team of Beth Phoenix, Jillian Hall, Lena, Layla, Victoria, Natalia, and Katie Lee, and Maurice defeated Mickey James, Candice Michelle, Michelle McCool, Kelly Kelly, uh, Brie Bella, Eve, Tiffany, and Mae Young. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> it's like every woman on the whole roster. On the 11-10 Raw, uh, Phoenix defeated James to retain the women's title, thanks to Santino Morella. On the 11-14 SmackDown, McCool defeated Maria to retain the Divas Championship. And on the 11-17 Raw, this match was announced as Kelly defeated Victoria and Team Raw would beat Victoria down. And there we go. All right, more brand warfare. Death of the Divas roster is pretty impressive, honestly. They've really done a nice job of taking it from a very shallow uh, you know, group to a, a much more... Um, I don't say like refined, but definitely deeper. Like a lot of these girls have come a long way and some are still working right. on improving. And there are ones you mentioned that aren't even in here, like the Bellas, et cetera, that they're flushing out the roster. So to be able to have a 10 woman tag with 10 actual workers and still have others on the sideline shows that they put a lot of effort into really building out the depth on both brands. Right. Uh, <clears throat> King is mildly horny. He's not too bad as we start. <laughs> We have all six announcers again, which helps <laughs> limit him. Uh, Santino's out at ringside. Beth and Michelle start off, which is a uh, cool start. Cole and JR bust up King about his midget wars of the past Survivor Series. Michelle and Marie start brawling almost immediately. Their teammates break it up. We reset with Beth and Maria. Glamazon throws her around. Kelly tags in, and her and Maria have a back and forth before Victoria blind tags and tells her to watch how it's done, but she turns and walks into a Kelly Rana to get eliminated. Kelly gets another Rana, but Maurice can't fin on Maurice, but can't finish. Maurice then ends Kelly's night with a spinning backbreaker. Mickey comes in hot and cleans house on Maurice. She tags Michelle. They have a fun battle over backslide, a quick flare of near falls. Definitely a faster pace than we're used to with the women at this point. Mickey plants Michelle with the D uh <clears throat> with the DQ after she gets distracted by Maria, and that ends her night. I'm sorry, DDT. Uh, Maurice sneaks in and awkwardly eliminates Mickey with some confusion. It's kind of sad to see Mickey go down that easy, especially with a, a very unclear ending. Natty and Candace start back up with some mat work. Natty twists into a sharpshooter, but Jillian saves, and Candace finishes Natty with a spear. Jillian and Maria get after it. Jillian's on fire in this one. Great energy and some pretty good offense. Maria twists through and gets a victory roll on Jillian. She's done. Candace comes in and finishes Maria with a Northern Light suplex. Maurice comes in, slugs down Beth, and then takes out Candace with a modified figure four, which gets some woos. JRS Taz for his judo insights. He says it's like a figure four, but different. 
<laughs> Apparently, Candace tapped, and no one really noticed as they're talking about the hold. <laughs> Beth is in. Maurice controls her a moment. Keeps hanging in, but Beth catches her on a crossbody. Maurice gets two on a roll-up, but Beth breaks free and finishes with a glam slam to win the match. Uh, this is fine. Kept moving. It was kind of cool that they gave him the classic style because we don't always get that with the women. A lot of times they do these at Survivor Series. It's just the one fall. So they get the full elimination vote. Uh, Beth is clearly still the top dog. Michelle and Maurice presented strongly as well. I thought Jillian stood out as the most energetic in the match. Uh, she really, yeah, I thought looked good in there. The big yeah. takeaway to me is that we can do these matches now. It's believable. The depth is there. It doesn't feel goofy or forced like in the past. And the division continues to progress. So I think this is a good step forward, Scott. Overall, for the women's division, as it continues to grow and become more serious, I went two and a quarter stars. Uh, yeah, I gave it two stars. Uh, your time was 9.39. I mean, it, it, it's loaded. I will say that. And uh, everybody's like getting a chance, uh, mm-hmm. and everybody's got like you know everybody got a little shine. Um, like I said, I think we we've had like a solid top card in terms of talent with Beth Phoenix and Mickey. Like they're the real they're on the one side they're like the uh, the cornerstone in terms of in ring, and then everybody else is kind of starting to catch up a little bit. And you have Natalia's new, and she's pretty good in the ring. And uh, so I enjoy the match, Ryan. I mean, you know. This isn't prime, you know, women's division time. That wouldn't be for a few more years. But, you know, they're all working really hard and they're very entertaining. And and uh, I mean, it's not as bad as like ninety nine. Um, it's definitely an upgrade over the past decade. But uh, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's fine. It's you know, I went a star in three quarters too short, too short. I mean, excuse me too fast to be like bad or anything um and it was so sloppy and harmless it was a fun watch really uh, i was really taken back on how like rough michelle was every time mm. she was in there i thought she was uh kind of more crisp but then again it's kind of early i in think her it run. takes her time yeah yeah it's yeah. kind of early in her run um you know beth started the match felt like the felt like the diva ended the match felt like the diva it's mm. her era it's her it's her division. It's her show for them, uh, and I just love the Santino energy at the end. Those pairing, that pairing was just incredible. So yeah, I went star in three quarters. You're gonna be a real hardo to get really mad at this match. Mm. All right, the Grish is with Matt Hardy. He asks about the hotel incident with his brother. Matt says he was in the hospital and didn't sleep much. He expected the worst, but it turns out he was hit in the head with a blunt object, and his status tonight is unknown. Matt doesn't know what happened, so they kind of tease you. You know, because we, they've talked about his issues, right? His demons. So they kind of make you think up to this point that it was like some kind of overdose or something. Um, but then Matt reveals here he was hit in the head. So we'll see how the mystery plays out. Uh, we get a video package for our next match, Scott, which for the third pay-per-view in a row features The Undertaker taking on Big Show. Uh, anything happened since our last outing with them? Well, uh, on the 1031 SmackDown, uh, Show said that Taker used an illegal choke to defeat him, and Vicky Guerrero forced Taker to face Chavo in a casket match, and Taker would defeat Chavo despite interference from Show. On the 11-7 SmackDown, Show would cut a promo on Taker and challenged him to a casket match. The following week at 11, on 11-14, Taker would accept Show's challenge, and later that night, Show attacked Taker during his match with Jeff Hardy, only for Taker to knock him out of the ring. And finally, on the 11-21 SmackDown, Taker cut a promo with a casket in the ring as Show came out with Vicky and Chavo and vowed to knock Taker out. And then the lights went out, and when they came on, Taker had Vicky and put her in the casket. 
Chavo would attack Taker, which allowed Show to help Vicky out of the casket and the ring. And Taker would give Chavo the tombstone and put him in the casket while Show and Vicky watched. So there you go. Bill continues. All right, back at it. Third straight month. Like you said, this time we get the casket stipulation in place. We get a full Druid entrance to bring the casket out. Show saunters out. This feud's really been great for him, uh, like we've talked about. It's really kind of woken him up. Usual intense taker entrance as he stalks to the ring, but Show's unfazed, having been through this a ton. Show starts with a hot flurry of punches. Taker ducks and shoves him into the casket, uh, but he dodges it. They trade blows on the floor. Show outslugs Taker, bangs him off the announce table. Show slowly works Taker over with heavy shots, but Taker battles back using one of the monitors, puts him in through one of the tables with a leg drop to a pop. We head back inside where Taker works the arm. Show counters old school with a suplex and slowly works Taker over before rolling him in the casket. He demands the refs close it, but the rule is Show has to do it. He's a little hesitant and argues, and by the time he tries, Taker blocks him. Taker barrels into Show, but runs into a back elbow. The crowd is quiet with a slower pace. Show lines up a Vader bomb, but Taker blocks and choke slams him off the middle rope. Taker rolls Show into the casket, but can't get it closed. Show knocks Taker out and trashes the casket and flips it over and laughs. Taker sits up in the ring. He stalks Show in the aisle, and then a wall of fire pyro blocks Show in. <laughs> Show slugs down Taker, but now the Druids come out and block the exit with another standing casket. Show tips it and slams Taker into it, and then stands up and opens it. They toss some punches, and Taker just throws Show into it, and he tumbles back and falls, and it closes for the finish. Very odd <laughs> ending here. Uh, I think it was one time too many for them. The hot streak ended, I think, at Cyber Sunday. Uh, the match is really never going to flow. It was slow. The crowd isn't into it. Uh, a lot of start and stop with the casket, too. I think this should have just ended last month. Uh, but Show won the first one. Taker wins the second one. Wrap it up. The feud still worked well, but just really dragged out. The finish was super random. It was, I guess, creative, but it didn't feel earned. He just kind of threw him into it. It almost felt more like a segment, like a brawl than a match. Uh, Taker should move on. Show can use this newfound energy to do something else. So, I don't know, Ryan. I went two stars, but I really liked the other two. I mean, last month I went three and a half. So, like, this was really disappointing to me. Yeah, I'm at star and a half. Um, just I just had PSTD watching this live and just being like, oh, what, like this this was dreadful. But um, it was all right. I thought the Big Show, like you said earlier, he moves pretty well. This is probably prime Big Show post comeback, mm-hmm. you know, with Floyd or whatever. So um, you know, he's still kicking in that kick-ass shape. He moved really well. Everything was fine, not involving the casket or around the casket. Uh, I did kind of did the appreciate the silly nonsense of the finish, you know, it was just like so slow and plotting, but like you said, it was creative, but it was rough. Like and then you get pyro, you get spooky druids, you get music. It's just, I thought the, uh, I think you got like the explosion early too. It was, it was, it was just weird. Ollie timed and you put it best. Should have ended earlier. Star and a half. Blah. Uh, 12:45 your match time. Uh, I gave it two stars. Uh, you know, when you get, and I was really, uh, and on our last show, I was lauding that match, that last man standing match. But, you know, a feud like this or, or a match with two guys like this, you can go too far. And um, I would have maybe had some sort of them in a survivor match, maybe, or I don't know. But I probably wouldn't have done a third straight month with these guys. I don't know how many more. Mm-hmm. Uh, gimmicks you could do to make it any better than it already was i thought we i thought we peaked the previous month at cyber sunday with uh with the last man standing but this this was just uh this was not great it was slow it was dull 
the whole punching in the ribs and punching in the stomach and punching in the kidneys was starting to get a little tiresome. Um, I mean, you knew Taker was going to win here. And, uh, you know, so it was just a good filler in between Survivor matches. But I think we can put this thing to bed and move on. All right, move on we shall. As Carlito and Primo are backstage, the Colognes with the Bellas are flirting. Carlito mixes up which twin is which, and they kind of laugh it off. The gobbledygooker comes in. They think Charlie Haas is inside the costume, but then in comes Haas, and the gooker reveals himself to be the boogeyman and spews worms everywhere as everyone clears out. It's kind of whatever, Thanksgiving fodder. Orin brags, uh, Randy Orin's backstage. He brags himself up to his teammates. He vows that they'll win here tonight. He calls Cody Rhodes a weakness and tells him to follow his lead. Rose takes a clap back at Orton. Randy wants to fight and warns him not to mess this up. So our little issues here with Orton and the young guys continue to brew mm-hmm. into this match. Uh, before we get there, Michael Cole and the King thank ACDC for our theme song tonight. And that brings us to our next and final Classic Survivor Series match of the evening as Batista, R-Truth, CM Punk, Kofi Kingston, and Matt Hardy take on Randy Orton, William Regal, Mark Henry, Cody Rhodes, and Shelton Benjamin Scott. How do we set this one up? Well, JR, before we do that, we have a returning uh, roster member to pay-per-view. He was on the dark match last month at uh, Cyber Sunday, and that is uh, Mr. Truth. Uh, The last time we saw Ron Killings, uh, real name, on pay-per-view was uh, almost eight years ago. 2000? Uh, 2001. That's what I meant. Yeah, Survivor Series. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not Survivor Series. Royal Rumble. Oh, that's right. Royal Rumble 2001. And a run-in at No Way Out. And he would mainly work the sea shows during the invasion and won the hardcore title twice before being released in 2002. He would head to TNA as K-Crush before turning heel and going under his real name, Ron The Truth Killings. Said he was held down due to his race. Uh, and he would win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in August and held it until November when he lost to Jeff Jarrett. He would turn face, formed three live crew with Conan and BG James, and they would win the tag titles at a gr- as a group. And Killings would win the world title once more in May 2004, uh, though his reign lasted less than a month. After three live crew broke up, he would work in various teams. He won the tag titles with football star. I don't remember this at all. With Adam Pac-Man Jones. I do not yep. remember that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. In 2007, and he would form a brief alliance with Consequences Creed hmm, uh, before being released in December. He would return to WWE in the summer and made his return to TV in August under the name R-Truth as he makes his pay-per-view return here. So a little bit there on him. Now the build on the 1027 Raw. Randy Orton came out and blamed GM Mike Adamley for what happened at Survivor Series as he implored the McMahons to fire him or he would quit. And he would run down Adam Lee as a failure until Adam Lee slapped him in the face. Later that night, Punk and Kingston would defeat Rhodes and DiBiase to win the World Tag Team Championships. Mm. Big win there for Punk and Kofi Kingston. On the 10-28 ECW, Henry teamed with Chavo Guerrero and Bam Neely to defeat Matt, Evan Bourne, and Finley, Matt Hardy, in uh, a six-man tag when Guerrero pinned Matt. On the 10-31 SmackDown, the Hardys teamed with Rey Mysterio to defeat Henry, Kane, and MVP in a six-man on the 11-3 Raw, Orton again demanded Adam Lee resign as Shane McMahon came out and Adam Lee did resign. And Shane revealed that Orton had been cleared to wrestle for weeks and would face Punk that night. Punk would defeat Orton by DQ when Ted DiBiase Jr. got involved. And Orton would punk DiBiase, uh, punt him in the head. 
as he was taken away, Rhodes and Manu confronted Orton, who dared them to do something, though they backed off. Later that night, Henry and Kane defeated Kingston and Mysterio in a tag match when Henry pinned Kingston. On the 11-4 ECW, uh, Finley and Henry demanded a title match, as GM Teddy Long announced they'd face off in a match to determine the number one contender. Finley would defeat Henry in the main event to earn the shot. On the 11-7 SmackDown, Shelton Benjamin defeated Truth to retain his U.S. title. On the 11-10 Raw, uh, Steve, uh, William Regal would defeat Santino Morella to win the Intercontinental title. And Batista would demand a rematch for the World Heavyweight Championship only for Orton to tell him that he was first and Batista would challenge Orton to a match as Orton narrowly avoided getting the Batista bomb. Later that night, Batista would defeat Rhodes in a match and laid out Manu while Orton watched from the outside and Rhodes and Manu confronted Orton who claimed that DiBiase was the weak link with Rhodes slapping Orton in the face. Uh, on the 11-11 ECW, Matt would defeat Finley to retain the ECW title and the two men would shake hands out of respect. On the 11-14 SmackDown, the, this match was announced as Matt would defeat Benjamin in a non-title match. On 11-17, Raw, Batista defeated Manu while Orton watched and Rhodes helped Manu to the back as Batista vowed to kick Orton's ass. And Orton and Rhodes had a confrontation backstage as Rhodes wished Orton luck in his match. Later that night, Matt and Regal had a match which ended in a double countout in the main event. Orton defeated Punk in a lumberjack match and the show ended in a brawl between the lumberjacks. On the 11-18 ECW, uh, Henry teamed with Regal and Rhodes to defeat Matt, Hardy, Kofi Kingston, and Finley in a six-man tag. And finally, on the 11-21 SmackDown, Matt and R-Truth defeated Shelton Benjamin and Henry in a tag. All right, a lot going on there. Uh, yes. Batista <laughs> swims out with his usual intensity. R-Truth wraps his way out. Big spot for him right his return, obviously being positioned pretty well. Punk and Kofi continue the partnership. Tag Team Champions made a good use of both of them. For the moment, they helped to push each other up the ladder. Nice treat for Matt as well. Is that a great year? Deserves a big spot like this. The crowd's struggling a little bit, though. They're, they're quiet for the entrances. Orton saunters out, building his swag and cred back up after the injury. Cody has Manu with him. We'll see how his issues affect the team here. Nice spot for Benjamin and also for Regal, whose push has resumed after a suspension. And, of course, uh, Henry's been great, too. There's a really good mix of talent. Punk and Regal start. Punk gets an immediate go-to-sleep and eliminates Regal immediately. Uh, so, tough night there. It's a good payback for Punk, who owed him one. Uh, but it's, it feels like forever. It's always one step forward and two back for Regal. Every time he gets going, it's back to the sidelines. Shelton comes in, but Punk keeps him in control. He tags Kofi, tries to wear down Shelton, but Shelton slugs him down, have a fun flurry of counters. Henry and Rhodes take turns with Kofi, but Kofi escapes and tags Hardy, who comes in, throws down with Cody, peppering him with strikes and near fall. Truth comes in, a striker gets a killings joke, and then Batista gets a tag, and Cody bails out. Shelton comes in, and Batista beats him around with some power offense. Tags in Hardy. Shelton hits him with a back elbow and tags Orton, who withstands an initial charge. Uh, and offense, but dodges a moonsault and tags Henry, who beats on the ECW champion. Cody is in the ring, but Hardy turns the tag, and both men tag. We reset with Truth throwing down a Shelton. Truth gets a pair of air falls, controlling the pace as Tag compares Truth's offense to his own. Shelton shrugs off a kick, and it's a pay dirt to end Truth's night. Kofi comes in with a high cross body, but Shelton hangs on. Kofi goes through his offense. Henry slugs him for the apron and tags in and beats on him, uses his weight to lean on him. Orton crushes, uh, tags in and picks up our Kofi, crushes him with a hanging DDT and eliminates him. Punk is in. He goes right at Orton, but Cody tags and grinds him down to work the arm. The crowd tries to rally Punk. He responds with a flurry. That's some close near falls. 
Punk goes up top and Manu gets on the apron, allows Cody to knock him off and finishes him with a DDT. Pretty soft night for Punk, despite getting the biggest pops. In comes Hardy, gets a side effect for two, but Henry comes in and powers him down. Hardy, uh, Matt comes back into an impressive side effect again, which looked cool. Hardy uh, comes off the middle rope, but Henry catches him with a power slam, and he is cooked, and that leaves Batista four on one. Batista comes in and buries Henry with a spear. He's eliminated. Shelton's next, and Batista mauls him, and it's him with a Batista bomb. Cody tries it next, but Batista crushes him as well, and he fights off Manu. Cody is cooked after Batista bomb. Orton blind tags during the move and comes in, hits an RKO, and eliminates Batista to win the match, uh, which I liked. I really like the finish down the stretch there. Uh, pretty good match overall. The crowd just was not involved at all, and it really hurt it. The story circled around Orton's master plan. It pays off and costs Batista to look great before falling to the RKO. I didn't think anyone else really stood out. Just a bunch of stuff happening at a good pace. I thought Henry, I guess if anyone, kind of stood out more. Uh, Orton's back on track after the injury. Uh, you know, he's got a fun little mini evolution feud, maybe with Batista in the works. We get the stuff with Cody. So a lot kind of going on here for him. And he was definitely the guy who stood out the most in the match. Uh, Scott, I went three stars overall. Yeah, this match was uh, was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, I gave it uh, three stars. Um, your time was 16-13. So pretty meaty match. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're trying to uh, establish some main event situations as we head into 2009 and uh, we talked about that on the last show that uh you know we have to um you know figure out what's going on with champions and you know we're getting into something as we head into the end of 08 and into the beginning of 09 uh so we're establishing orton batista battling for who's got the who's going to go for uh you know in this case jericho is the world champion or triple h is the WWE champion at this moment um but it was fun. I thought it was a good back and forth. Orton trying to cull together all these young guys, but he's getting frustrated. He's, it's evident that he's struggling to be a leader and, and trying to, you know, control the, 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 the pieces on the board at the same time. Um, but overall, Ryan, I thought it was a fun match. I like Orton in this role, trying to be like this wise sage to these guys and they're not taking him seriously kind of thing. And Batista's just Batista. He always shines in these spots. And uh, overall, I liked it. Good match. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little higher than you guys. I'm three and a half. Um, I was three and a quarter, and then I saw Layla throw a shoe when William Regal's ro- uh, eliminated in those jeans. I added an extra quarter of a star, regardless. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but anyways, very good match. I liked it. I liked it better than the first Men's Survivor Series match early in the card. Um, Truth was fun. It was, you know, he, he had good chemistry with uh, Shelton as they were kind of battling when Truth was coming back. I felt Shelton was really good here. He sold really w- well for Batista late. And I like the ending with Batista with the rapid-fire eliminations leading to Cody surviving or in blind tagging and hitting a killer RKO. And then the pop, they brought the crowd. The crowd came for that yeah. as Orton, you know, really uh, just kind of slithered around all match and then just waited and, you know, no pun intended, bit. You know what I mean? But uh, I love the story with Cody leading to know what we have come next with Orton. And uh, I thought Cody was really good too. in, in uh, within the match with the stuff he was involved in too. So three and a half, pretty good. It's good storytelling, strong stuff. All right. We'll see how Orton gets back on track. The injury slowed him up. Yeah. Eve is with Vladimir Kozlov. He says Hardy being out makes no difference to him and he will become WF champion. 
JR and Taz talk about the issues around Jeff Hardy's injury. JR says he can confirm that Hardy will not compete tonight. It will be one-on-one. And the sad thing is the video package we're about to see is all about Hardy's journey. We do get that video package, and that sets up our next match, which right now on paper is Triple H versus Vladimir Kozlov, Scott. So how do we get to what this would have been? Was it a triple threat and now into this? Uh, well, uh, um, on the 1031 SmackDown, uh, Vladimir Kozlov demanded a title shot, and Triple H came out as they had a confrontation. Though Kozlov wouldn't leave the ring, and GM Vicky Guerrero told Kozlov he could have a title shot if he defeated The Undertaker the next week. On the 11-7 SmackDown, Jeff asked Vicky for one more title shot, though she refused and said he was better off in the tag team. Wow. And in the main event, Kozlov defeated Taker by DQ, and Jeff got involved with her and Kozlov the title shot at Survivor Series. Uh, and the 11-14 SmackDown, Triple H and Kozlov signed the contract, as Vicky said that Jeff would be added if he beat Taker that night. Jeff would crash the signing as he put Kozlov through a table and ripped the contract up in front of Triple H. In the main event, Jeff defeated uh, Taker in an extreme rules match, uh, and Vicky said that Jeff would have to defeat Triple H next week to get to the title match. On the 11-21 SmackDown, uh, Jeff would defeat Triple H in a non-title match to earn a spot in the title uh, match at... Uh, here and the two men shook hands until Kozlov laid both of them out, and of course uh, we all and what we know about uh, what happened with Jeff uh, earlier in the show. So at the moment, uh, it is Triple H and Vladimir Kozlov. All right, Kozlov stomps out to silence. Uh, not the cure for the sleepy crowd, that's for sure. They do wake up a bit as the game marches out for another defense of what's been a pretty steady year. We start grinding on the mat of the bell as the two trades of initial counter holds and control holds, uh, just kind of feeling each other out. The crowd starts to chant boring, and we want Hardy within the first two minutes. Probably not the best approach with a slow start. We get a real uh, sluggish from there as Kozlov is at half speed, and Hunter's slowed down with him. More boring chants resonate. Kozlov's rattled as Hunter bangs around with punches and his usual offense, but Kozlov keeps coming back to his feet until a big red hand takes him down for a near fall. We actually get a faint TNA chant as Kozlov lands a boot on a charge where it runs into a spine buster. Kozlov counters a pedigree with a headbutt to the gut. Then he shoots out to the floor and the crowd is restless and quiet as Kozlov stalks out the champ uh, after the champ and drags him back in after working the back. Kozlov gets two on a fallaway slam that works the midsection. Kozlov hits a power slam for two, then hooks a seated bear hug, which is likely not what we needed here. That goes on for a bit until Hunter breaks free, walks into a power slam near fall. Kozlov goes back to the reverse bear hug as the crowd is chanting for Hardy. Hunter hits a pedigree out of nowhere, but can't cover. Out comes Vicky Guerrero, and as promised, this is going to be a triple threat match. And then screams, he's here! He's here! To make you think it's Jeff Hardy. But Edge's theme fires up, and he returns. We get a pop initially, but that kind of turns to booze when they realize it's not Jeff. Uh, of course, we haven't seen Edge in SummerSlam, when he got thrown to hell. Edge hits the ring as the boos continue. After uh, setting up, he eventually hits a spear on Triple H. Edge counter uh, covers Kozlov, but now out comes Jeff Hardy to a big pop. He attacks Edge. He grabs a chair, but Edge ducks. Hardy hits Hunter. Hardy balls Kozlov with the chair, but eats an Edge spear. And Edge covers Hunter to win the title. Wrong match. Wrong idea. Wrong crowd for this one. Uh, I mean, Kozlov was fine technically, but just not inspired at all. And the crowd was so checked out even before the style that they worked. Not getting Hardy was a big issue. I don't know if they didn't realize it beforehand. I don't know if they thought Edge would be enough of a replacement to make it work. But I think they underestimated 
how much the crowd was into Hardy right now. We talked about this on our last episode, Scott. Oh, they're waiting too long on Hardy, and here we go again, stalling it out. And the edge pop is diminished because people were upset that they didn't get Hardy, that they got this um, you know, screwy thing where they make you think he's overdosed, and then uh, they teased him. There was a bait and switch. So the whole thing is pretty messy. The crowd was not happy sitting through that boring snoozer. Edge and Hardy at the end was good, but the crowd was just already pissed off. So we're back to Edge's champion. Hardy again isn't isn't getting the belt. Um, Hunter and Kozlov put us to sleep. It's Hunter's worst match for sure in a while. So I don't know, Ryan. I went a star to half on this. I, I thought it sucked. <laughs> it, was, it was not good. Uh, complete package. I went two stars. Yeah, it, it not good is is an understatement. Now, do you think they they delayed Hardy again because? You know, they, we have Cena winning next. You know, they don't want to do that probably. twice. Yeah, yeah. probably. That. Same thing as last show with Batista. Like, it just seems like they're waiting. And I think they just thought the Edge surprise would offset it, I think. that Yeah, that too. But I felt that the Edge surprise was like kind of a healer, like cheap heat kind of thing, really. You know, for the long run, I think. He's not returning as that baby face. He's returning as that slimely, ultimate opportunist type of dude or whatever. But, um... Black to the match, you know, there was a stretch at the beginning where Vladimir and Triple H kind of had their shit together. Where I was like, yeah, they say this isn't as bad as, you know, as I remembered or as the crowd is kind of sleeping through it. And then, like, after three or four minutes, it was just just messy. Mm-hmm. Whenever, like, whenever Kozlov was on the move, it was just, like, rough, real rough. And, you know, Triple H is not a bad worker whatsoever. And then just, it just, it was stretches where it was just, like, really rough and light. But, uh... What you? I can't wait to, for Scott to tell me how long this match was. Um, geez, I, 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 it felt like 24 minutes, but um, the end was, the end was pretty electric. I remember that being there live. Um, I don't actually, I didn't remember Jeff coming out. I remember, um, Edge, the Edge return obviously for the winish, and it was just so sudden. And then I didn't, I didn't really remember until on the rewatch for Jeff to come out. And then when Jeff came out, oh man, that was that mm-hmm. did make edges pop seemed like it was not not much but it it was it was so um yeah like you said they're stalling it but you know for a reason or whatever but um yeah two stars and scott please this thing couldn't have been 24 minutes under 24 minutes i felt it fourteen twenty two. Oh oh wow felt like, it felt like the longest fourteen twenty two of all time for sure yeah 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 this this match was just this is I don't know if it's Triple H notorious for shitty title matches in Boston. <laughs> we go back five years earlier, but uh, there's no doubt. Anything, here's where we go back to the whole thing involving Jeff. Like, you know, it's Jeff, I gave this a star and a half, which is, you know, I, I feel like that, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about, you know, anything that Jeff Hardy is in. You you pull some kind of bait and switch shit with a guy like him, and you're gonna you're gonna feel it. The crowd's gonna crowd's gonna check out. Um, I I think they just assumed that Triple H was just gonna maul him and win the match, but Kozlov wrestles like a guy that's bigger than he is, and giving Triple H a bear hug when you're kind of the same size is kind of weak. It was just so grindy, and um, Kozlov had his one chance to show something. And he showed nothing. And mm-hmm. that's it. That's his that's his moment. He's he's cooked. Um I, I feel bad that that poor Jeff, you know, I don't remember Jeff coming out either, to be honest with you, and we were there. Uh I don't remember him coming out either. I just I thought he was done. Uh I don't know why people thought an edge pop I don't know why they thought 
bringing out a heel would make the crowd feel better. I don't know what the fuck that was about. Well, it's a Maybe return he's, surprise, but yeah. Yeah, but but he because he's not Kozlov, probably. That's why. Um, and, you know, we, we, we had Triple H and Edge earlier in the year, and that match was okay. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think Edge winning uh, is not the worst thing in the world, depending on how you're transitioning this. But uh, definitely the whole package didn't come off. I don't think it came off, I think, the way that the company wanted it to. Right. And the crowd is – I agree with you, JR. The crowd seems very uh, fatigued. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't remember feeling fatigued per se, but this match definitely kind of sucked the life out of you for some reason. I yeah. think it was because there was no Jeff and Jeff still is the guy that people love. So that was just so slow. Hurt, yeah. yeah, I think that hurt them in the end. Okay. Yeah, it's also the what the start of the second hour, second and a half, two and a half hours in here. It's just. Yeah. 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 And we're coming off a dead crowd, too, for that. Survivor Series match too. They're saving it in the tank for Cena also, so just bad okay. timing. Maybe nowadays they'd put this card in the match earlier, really. Right, right. So, all right, we get a video package for our main event, Scott, which is John Cena challenging Chris Jericho back as world champion, apparently for his uh, WWE title. How did we get here? Well, let us uh, let me explain. So beginning on the 1013 Raw, vignettes began airing, hyping Cena's impending return. Of course, he uh, injured his neck uh, in that match against Batista back at SummerSlam. Uh, on the 1027 Raw, Jericho claimed he was ripped off by Steve Austin and Batista needed help to defeat him as he demanded a rematch. And it was announced that he would get his rematch the next week in a steel cage match in that match or in the main event. Uh, Batista teamed with Shawn Michaels to defeat Jericho and JBL in a tag match. As it was announced, Cena would return at Survivor Series. On the 11-3 Raw, it was announced Cena would challenge the world champion at Survivor Series. And in the main event, Jericho would indeed defeat Batista in the cage to regain the World Heavyweight Championship. And on the 11-10 Raw, Stephanie McMahon declared that Jericho wouldn't defend the title again until Survivor Series and Jericho would defeat Michaels in a last man standing match in the main event. Last man standing again. And finally, on the 11-17 Raw, Jericho cut a promo highlighting all his accomplishments and that he was the centerpiece of Raw, and he vowed to end Cena's career for good at Survivor Series. Quite the ride. Jericho back as champion, putting Batista back on the chase. But instead of another rematch for Batista, we get John Cena showing up to return from injury, gets his hometown title shot. Jericho saunters out to the ring, title strapped on his waist. (coughs) Excuse me, focused and laser-eyed in his run of a lifetime here. Good pop for Cena as he comes out, soaks in the moment. We start with a Cena FU, but Jericho slips free and cranks a side headlock. King wonders if Cena is worried about his stamina, so he's going for a quick finish. Cena regroups, comes to Jericho, the hot flurry, and a near fall on a side slam. Cena goes to the STFU, but Jericho slides out and regroups. Jericho takes Cena down, starts to work the rehab neck, but Cena comes back with a hard lariat, body slam, and an elbow drop for two. Cena whiffs on a charge. Jericho stomps away, goes back in on the neck, including a good spot where he kicks Cena's head against the ring post. Cena's rattled from that, barely wakes up to beat the count back in. Jericho goes right back at the neck attack with some pretty aggressive offense, pitching Cena outside, drop kicking him in the head, and then shooting him into the steps. Cena's dazed as we head back in. Jericho cranks a neck vice, hits a full Nelson, as King is playing psychologist here, trying to talk about the stress and pressure wearing you down. I think he's actually been pretty good in this match. 
Cena counters a bulldog by shooting Jericho to the corner. He works up a comeback, but Jericho cuts it off by hitting a bulldog. Cena dodges the lion's hall. It's a spinning slam. The crowd is now split as Cena revs up the five-knuckle shuffle, but Jericho pops up and twists Cena into the walls, old-school style with a knee on the neck, which is a cool pull out of the bag. Cena breaks the hole, but Jericho cuts him back down the clothesline and now gets the regular standard walls. Cena's trapped for a bit, but gets the ropes and then pops up and hits an FU, but he can't cover right away, so only gets two. They both end up on the top rope and trade blows until Cena flings Jericho down, comes off with a guillotine leg drop. Cole says his confidence is back. Jericho blocks another FU, hits a code breaker for a close near fall. Jericho has two clotheslines, goes for a third. Cena drops down, hooks the STFU. Jericho claws to the ropes, but Cena drags him back. That allows Jericho to kick free and get a small package. Cena reverses that, deadlifts Jericho to an FU, and wins the WWE title. So two straight pay-per-views, Jericho loses the world title. John Cena's back on top. Uh, it was a pretty good match. Never great. I don't think it revved up a level. The next selling and attack was well done. It told a good story. Cena being hesitant to go to the top rope again was pretty good, and then he finally does it. They gave it a lot of time, kept it simple. Again, the crowd hurt things. I didn't think they were that engaged other than the entrance and the ending. Uh, it felt big time in ways, but in others, it just kind of dragged along. The finish was a fun throw of strength by Cena, uh, but Jericho's reign is again cut off. We're back to Cena and Edge as world champions. Uh, very good stuff, a fun comeback from injury match, but not the match that we needed to save this show. Uh, so Scott went three and a quarter again, fine, but we really needed a banger to close this out on a better note. Yeah, I think, I feel like the crowd, I think just knew Cena was going to win. So he came out and then just waited for the match to end. That's mm -hmm. what it seemed like to me. Uh, your match time, 21, 19 longest match of the night. Uh, yeah, I feel like that this was just Cena, uh, again, I think we all knew and we were in, we in the arena probably, but pretty much probably knew that that Cena was winning this match. So at that point in the night, let's just get this over with. And instead we get the longest match of the night. I did like my favorite part. My favorite part of the match was Jericho kicking Cena's head into the post. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Jericho, did he deserve better? Yeah, probably, you know, cause Jericho, when he left in 2005, he had to eat two Cena pins before leaving. Now he's back and he's eating more Cena pins. So it's, uh, you feel like he had better fate. You know, yeah, he won yeah. the title back on Raw, but he's lost back-to-back pay-per-view matches. Um, so that that that's that's sad. But uh, uh, overall, the match wasn't bad, but the crowd definitely felt fatigued. It's first time, definitely, JR, throughout 2008 that we've had a fatigued mm -hmm. crowd. I feel like we haven't had that all year where a crowd gets to a main event and they're kind of baked. Right. And uh, so uh, I gave it uh, what did I give it two. What did I say? Two and a half. I gave it uh, uh, I actually gave it three and a quarter. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was fun, but I think in a in a, a vacuum, it might have been a better match. But at the end of the show, I think they were just I think everybody was just cooked, Ryan. And right. we're just waiting for Cena to win and go home. Yep, that's the sentiment, guys. I'm with you again. Three and a quarter also here. Um, it just, Jericho was like beefy and Cena was like extra beefy coming off the layoff. Uh, so I get the story of, you know, Cena with the ring rust, the hesitant going to the top rope early. And then it was just like such a weak transition when he decided not to go to the top rope where it was just like a apron DDT and it just looks so right. flat and weak. And then like, then he gets heat for like 10 minutes off that. And then. He just looks kind of like sloppy. I don't know if it's on Cena being being off or just Jericho kind of being like small in a way, 
where he was like, he's like beefy. You can definitely see his lifts on. So he's, I don't know if the lifts are on extra heavy and he's like clunky and tripping or, or if it's Cena out of place, but he kind of felt like he was always chasing Cena Mm. on offense. If that kind of makes sense and like, or like slipping off him or whatever. He just like, and he looked like extra tan where he would just kind of like be pressing you beat red and then it'd be like off white. So who the hell knows what he was on where he was just so, he just felt like bloated. So in an effect of the match in a way too. Like you said, I don't know. I don't remember which one of you guys said it, but it never really ramped up to what it could have and should have been. And that's kind of my always my criticism of Jericho. It it just doesn't get to that level that, especially in his big title matches, where where it should be or it could be. Because I wouldn't call Jericho like a bad wrestler at all. I think he's a very good wrestler in a top in a top tier, and should be on anyone's GWWE list as we get wind down the year 2022. So get your list and ballots in there, guys. So, anyways, but um. Yeah, that's just a criticism of Jericho, and I just think this match is, uh, you know, fits that sentiment where he is never the better guy in the match, in what in his bigger matches. And, you know, seeing off the big layoff and just looking and feeling the rust. But I did like the finish, too, where he had him in the uh, STFU, he rolled out, and then he rolled out into the AA dropped him, and Cena did deliver that AA with force, and Jericho did look great selling it. So, again, all that in a vacuum, three and a quarter. Mm. All right, so that wraps up the show. Uh, why don't we go ahead and get to our awards? MVP of the night, I went with Randy Orton. I thought he looked the best of anyone. Uh, really looked great in that match. I love his master plan that he's putting together here. Uh, really stands out, and the stuff of Batista could lead to some good stuff. So I thought he had the most you know, like overall complete night. Yeah, I think with me, I want to go Ray, but I'm just going to go Cena. Star power, he's back. Uh, he's the man. It's his hometown. They opened with him in the video package. They closed with him winning the world title. They delayed Jeff Hardy because of him. Uh, he's the biggest star of the era, and it's him. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Orton. Uh, I think he's trying to do this kind of. He's reaching that maybe that point in, in his career where now he's starting to look like the veteran, and maybe he has underlings. So I'm liking. I'm kind of liking that that look and he kind of tried to be the the chess player tonight so i i i approve i get i i i give it to him i went i went jeff hardy for lvp um you know it's kind of again could have been his night he, he gets hosed they tease that he had a drug issue like th- just everything he's been so hot and he's so over and it just felt like a big step back for him the way they treated him so it's nothing he did it was more the treatment of him um, I'm going to give it to Kozlov because this was his one shot to show what he's got in a main stage and he fucking tanked. He was, he was dreadful. He was slow. He was dull, you know, trying to wrestle a big man match against a guy that actually is taller than you. He, he was, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give Jeff the, the, the award for something that wasn't his fault, but Kozlov could have at least even not winning the match. He could have looked better and he didn't. He was fucking, he was dreadful. Yeah, I'm with you, Scott. Kozlov, um, yeah, all you said, he just didn't live up to the hype. They gave him a pretty hard push. I believe he pinned The Undertaker <laughs> coming into this match in, what, the summer of 08? So uh, they he had a lot of equity in him, and that just equity just dried up really fast yeah, in, those dre- in those dreadful 14 minutes that uh, they laid out there. Um, yeah, uh, that was probably one of the worst match, one of the worst big matches that I've attended live and 
Yeah, that that literally you could hear a pin drop, and there was what ten thousand mm. people there. Yeah. All right, best match. I want the opener. Uh, I like the Team Michaels Team JBL match the best. I'll go with the Orton versus Batista match. Well, Team Orton versus Team Batista. Right. Uh, got it. It's between the last match and the first match. I'm gonna go with the Sean match. Okay. Kudos to Survivor Series. For getting I know they they carry the show for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, worst match, uh, Triple H Kozlov, obviously. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That casket match, the gimmicks. Like at least we had the cool surprises in the, in the um, the title change, and then the Hardy drama. And it really wasn't as bad as we saying, but it's just the big show in the casket and the Undertaker. That shit's just dead on arrival, and just the wonkiness of the, the casket and the smoke and all the mirrors. Yeah. All right, best moment, I went with Jeff Hardy showing up because it was the only, what the crowd wanted all night, and he finally arrived. Yeah, I'm with you there, but just to play a little devil's advocate, I'll go with the Cena title win. The crowd wanted it, and the crowd got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Ryan on that one. I don't think they gave a shit that the match was whatever it was. They were just waiting for him to win, and they got that. So I'll, I'm going to go with that. Surprise of the night, I went with Edge's return. Kudos there. I I, uh, I agree. I'm going to go with the fact Kozlov was in a main event. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> uh, I mean, no. They could, after after what happened, yes. But no, I'm going to go with uh, Edge coming back. Okay. All right, final grade. Uh, I actually had this. I've had this at the worst pay-per-view of the year so far. Uh, and it's still not bad. I gave it a 5 out of 10. I think it's a completely average show. Uh, we get some stuff that happens. We get those Survivor matches that were good. But, man... I think the story of this one was disappointment. Like everything that I was waiting to really hit just didn't hit. It felt like it was off the whole night. The crowd was shaky the whole night. It just didn't feel like it really clicked. And before this, the lowest graded show I've had was a six and a half, which I've given three out, including our last show. So I'm going to get a little leery now, Scott, that we're wrapping the year on a shaky note after it's been a really strong outing. Yeah. I, you know, I, I can't give, I can't give this show lower than a five for having two matches over three stars. And really other than the triple H match, I guess it all depends on where the bad matches are. And usually we can get away with a kind of a throwaway match, mm. uh, being a star, but when you, or, you know, maybe one, one and a half, when you got one of your big, big title matches, like a real absolute dog shit, it is not easy to bounce back from that, but I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give it a five because I think that, um, I think that, uh, it, the the survivor matches carried it, and yeah, I, I'm gonna give that. Uh, I'm gonna give it a five. I think the survivor matches carried it, and and uh, Cena's win kind of you know was a feel good, even though the match was you know fifty fifty, but and the crowd was kind of cooked. But the ending really really shined. Yeah, I'm at five and a half. Um, I was at five, and uh, Layla's jeans gave it the bump up. So five and a half. No, but like I said, I'm with you guys. Average show. Uh, it's pretty, hey, if this is the worst show of the year, mm-hmm. we can't really bitch. This, you know, it's that's been a pretty good year. So five and a half, I'm at it. I mean, it's my worst show since Unforgiven 07, which was a five. Everything since then has been a six or higher. So which <laughs> so I believe I did five. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yes, that was you. Yep. So yep. Uh, So we're over a year now of like just strong outings. On paper yeah. Yep. All right, that'll do it, Scott. Uh, we'll be back in less than a week. Uh, for everyone with our 
annual Christmas extravaganza. It's a lot yes. of fun to do and put together. So hopefully enjoys. Uh, everyone enjoys that. Uh, if you don't, well, whatever. We're going to do it anyway. So that'll <laughs> drop on Christmas Eve. Then we'll be back two weeks from tonight with our next uh, Vintage Vault, which will be looking at Armageddon, our final pay-per-view of the year 2008. So we'll wrap that up. Everyone have a happy, healthy, and safe final couple weeks here of the year. We appreciate you checking us out and all of the uh, podcasts and networks that we offer here. We, you know, Without you all and your support, of course, there'd be no point. So thank you so much for doing that. Ryan, Scott, I'm Justin. We'll talk to you soon. Your Christmas of white But I have a blue, 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 blue Christmas Smile